please join me in prayer as we open up uh, this talk today. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would fill me with your Holy Spirit afresh, that you would anoint the words of the sermon. I'm well aware, Lord, that you are always speaking, one way this way, one way that, though man does not perceive it. That through the worship you have spoken, uh, through the testimonies you've, you've spoken, through the fellowship and the words that will be shared throughout our meal, you will speak. And also through the sermon, it's, it's one of those things that you've specially designed for us to learn from you in. And I, I thank you for this opportunity to share what you've put on my heart this morning. I pray that we'd be open to receive it and that we would be uh, transformed by you, not by a sermon, but by the work of the Holy Spirit in us. In Jesus' name, amen. So we are on part five uh, of our series, Tell Me All Your Thoughts on God. And this is, has been a great uh, time going through different things that are true of God and of no one else. These are things that are only true of God. Uh, and I think this is important. Uh, going into the book of Acts, we are going to be seeing that uh, the acts of the Holy Spirit, what the Holy Spirit does. It's very important to understand before we go into the book of Acts, God's attributes are happening. The things that are true of only God are happening in the book of Acts. There's uh, knowing everything. There's uh, foreknowledge. There's miracles. Different things that only the Holy Spirit does in Acts. And that's because the Holy Spirit is God. So it makes perfect sense. So we're looking at this, and we're, it's kind of setting a foundation for when we look at the acts of the Holy Spirit in the fall. But we've looked at God being the Trinity, that God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are one God working together in a mysterious unity, that the Holy Spirit is God. If you, if you think about the Holy Spirit, you think, that sounds kind of creepy, like a spirit, the Holy Ghost, kind of eerie. It's not eerie, it's Jesus. Read about Jesus in the Bible. Look at how Jesus interacted with people. Now, to the, to the people that were insincere, hard-headed, and proud, you know, his, some, some of those interactions were Jesus trying to shake some sense into people. But to those who come to Jesus, Jesus is the, the, the heartbeat of compassion and love and kindness. And that's who, that's who the Holy Spirit is for us today. It's Jesus' Spirit. Jesus is God. So we said God is God's first self is God the Father. His second self is Jesus. His third self is the Holy Spirit. One God working together in unity. How many other things in this world are like that? Three in one. It's only God. It's a mysterious thing that is beyond our understanding. It's only true of him. We talked about the goodness and kindness of God right before I left for my vacation. That everything that God does flows out of this essential attribute that God is good, that God is kind. That's who God is. Everything God does flows out of those attributes, that God is good and God is kind. We learned that God is incomprehensible that uh, we actually cannot fully comprehend everything that God is because the only one that fully knows God is God. If someone were able to fully comprehend God, that would be God. But there's only one God. Make, make sense? But God, in his very nature, is a self-revelatory God. He loves to reveal himself to his people. And so God has provided a way for us, through faith, to draw near to him and get to know things about him. And it's such an amazing thing that he's done uh, to do that. Uh, going so far as to send his son, Jesus Christ, God's second self, to make a way for us to go right to the Father and come to know him. It's amazing. And giving us his spirit who reveals God to us. So we're looking at all these things. Today we are looking at this idea, God is everywhere, God knows everything. Sound good? 
The big words for this, I don't want you to be scared off by this. The big words are God is omniscient. He knows everything. And God is omnipresent. God is everywhere. God knows all that can be known or could be known about anything completely. And God, there's no place God has not been present. He's always been present everywhere all the time and always will be present everywhere all the time. God is everywhere and God knows everything. So what we're looking at today are the questions. What does it mean for God to know everything, to be omniscient? And what does it mean for God to be omnipresent, to be everywhere at all times? And what does this reality mean for us in terms of our prayer, our past, and our future? These are the things we're going to be looking at today. There has never been a place that God's presence is not. This is a crazy thought. There is no place that God's presence has not been uh, ever in time. No moment in your life when God was not present. No moment that God did not witness. Uh, no moment has been hidden from the eyes of God ever. God is everywhere. We get this from Psalm 139, among many other places. The psalmist says, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. God's presence is everywhere all the time. And even those, those times in our lives where we forget that God is present, he's present. Whether you feel him or not, he's present. You could be walking around in the dark outside. No one else can see you, but God can see you. The darkness is as light to God. He is present everywhere. And God knows everything that can be known or could be known uh, in the future. Uh, God knew about Pokemon Go before two weeks ago. He was aware of Pokemon before two weeks ago. That's a really trite thing to say, but it's nonetheless true information. Perhaps a more uh, exciting thought is from Ephesians 1.4. God chose us before the foundations of the earth. Before the foundations of the earth, God knew us and chose us. I'll take that over Pokemon Go for knowledge. Before the foundations of the earth, God knew us. And perhaps a more touching uh, verse is from Revelation 13.8. Jesus, the Lamb who was slain for our sins, was slain before the foundations of the world in the mind of God. God had a provision for us before he laid the foundations of the earth because he knew how things were going to go. And he made a provision for us. He chose us, he called us, and he made a provision for us before the foundations of the earth. Two different writers in scripture, two different times, two different places. Both say the same thing. God knows. And it shows us that God knows everything. Those of you who know me know that I'm very good at illustrations, like drawing. You can laugh if you know that's not true. 
Uh, I'll draw your attention over to this chalkboard here. I felt very old yesterday. I went to Walmart to buy chalk. I'm in the school supplies. They don't sell chalk anymore because they don't use chalkboards anymore. It's all whiteboard markers. I'm looking everywhere. I said to some moms, is there chalk anymore in this world? And she's like, oh, no, they stopped selling that in, for school supplies. I stocked up when I found out it was going out of... I'm like, how did you find out it was going out of style? And she stocked up on it, apparently. She said, go to the kids' section. You can buy some chalk there. So here's my chalk. I'm going to do a very powerful visual illustration for you. It was worth the trip to Walmart. <laughs> That's all I'm drawing. It's true. Um, let's say this dot represents the knowledge of everyone who has ever lived past, present, or will live in the future, the collective knowledge of the world. That dot represents the collective knowledge of the world. To really comprehend the vast nature of God's knowledge, we could say this is all of the knowledge in the whole world, and the rest of the blackboard is God's knowledge. It's outside and far beyond. But I think we'd have to go farther than that, where the whole earth covered with chalkboard, the land and the sea, our knowledge would still be like that on one little section of that. The whole earth covered in chalkboard. God's knowledge is far beyond anything we've ever seen, hoped, or imagined. Should this make a difference in our lives and how we pray? Should it make a difference in our lives and how we come before God and how we think about God? I think it should. The knowledge of God is as, as eternal as God himself, for God cannot be divided from God's self. God is not uh, uh, like a frog that you might dissect in science class and say, this is the leg, this is the head. When God knows everything, that's who he is. When God is loving, that's who he is. When God is kind, it's who he is. It's not a part of God. It's who he is in his essential nature. And just like the universe that God created, which the best scientists say shows no signs of tapering and constricting and becoming smaller, but getting bigger and bigger and bigger as it goes out, as far as we can tell, this eternal thing that God created, seemingly, that's the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is vast. The knowledge of God is amazing. We often talk about this idea from Psalm 139, which I love. It says, and it's very comforting, it's very beautiful, and we should meditate on this. He knit me together in my mother's womb. He knew me before I was born. That's an amazing thought. But I have a thought, because of the brokenness I feel in myself at different times in my life, I have a thought that's much more amazing than that uh, to me. And that's the idea that since God is everywhere and God knows everything, that not only does God know my origin of how I started as a, as a baby, you know, not really engaging in sin and all that stuff at that point in my life, uh, just a baby. Not only does he know me, but he's been present in every moment of my life since that day. He's witnessed every hurt, every pain, uh, painful experience. He's witnessed every good choice and poor choice. He knows exactly why my personality has become what it is which is probably not what he was, probably not the fullness of what it could be yet. God knows. We always feel like there's no, there's no one who really knows me. And when we find a friend that we feel gets us, we, we glom onto them because we want to be known. But something we need to realize about God, he knows us. And not just when we were born, he knows just how we've become what we've become. So God is uniquely, uniquely able to understand how to redeem your life. There's nothing, there's nothing 
I'm preaching to myself. I'm preaching to you the word of God. There's nothing, nothing that God cannot redeem to the person who comes to him because he's seen everything and he knows everything. He knows how we, and he has compassion on all that he has made. He knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. As for man, his days are like grass. God knows this. He's familiar with our weaknesses. He was tempted in every way that we were, but was without sin. He gets it. He knows how we got this way. And if we will come before him he, and, and ask him to redeem our lives and give our lives to him, he will redeem our lives. David said in the midst of his uh, very poor decisions, murder and adultery and stuff that he was doing, David uh, said of God, the Lord is my lamp. He turns my darkness into light. That's what God can do. Why can God do that? He knows everything. He's, he's omnipresent, omniscient. He's been everywhere. Um, what does it mean for God to know everything? This is something that is a totally different category for us. It means that God has never learned anything, and he cannot learn anything. It's not that he has a poor attitude about learning. It's that there's nothing that he doesn't know, so he can't be taught. <laughs> he knows everything, past, present, and future. I have, a, I have this quote from A.W. Tozer that blew my mind, very articulate uh, author who I'm very influenced by, even in this series. A.W. Tozer says... God knows instantly and effortlessly all matter and all matters, all mind and every mind, all spirit and all spirits, all being and every being, all creaturehood and all creatures, every plurality and all pluralities, all law and every law, all relations, all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all enigmas, all feeling, all desires, every unuttered secret, all the thrones and dominions, all personalities, all things, visible and invisible, in heaven and on earth, in motion, space, time, Life, death, good, evil, heaven, and hell. It's somewhat exhaustive. And the Bible backs this up 100%. Isaiah 40. Who can fathom the spirit of the Lord or instruct the Lord as his counselor? Whom did the Lord consult to enlighten him? This is rhetorical, by the way. And who taught him the right way? Who was it that taught him knowledge or showed him the path of understanding? And the answer is, no one? Right. That's the answer. Romans 11, who has known the mind of the Lord, who has been his counselor, who has ever given to God that you should repay him? God is God. He's unique. Uh, we are not God. God is God. Who has known the mind of the Lord? Who's been his counselor? Now, Paul does say later in, in the scripture that he, we have the mind of Christ. We've been given the Holy Spirit. So actually, God reveals his mind to his children as they seek his Holy Spirit, which is an amazing thought. So when you're getting your hair cut, you ask God, you know, what can, I, what can I do for this person? What can I say to this person to encourage them, to lead them towards you, towards the freedom that you bring, the wholeness that you bring, and the Holy Spirit will share his mind with you uh, as you seek him, you know? That's the kind of stuff we're talking about here. But can we know the mind of the Lord apart from God showing us things? Can we counsel him? No. Isaiah forty twenty eight. later on in that passage, do you not know, have you not heard, the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding, no one can fathom. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except for the spirit of God. And God does not change. God has never learned. God cannot learn. His knowledge has always been perfect. And his essential being, it's who he is. And he's never changed. He's known everything at all times and all places. Amazing. We've seen, you know, God's omnipresence. We've seen God's omniscience, his all-knowing and his uh, 
ever-present uh, presence in the world and everywhere else. The whole earth is filled with his glory. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. So what does it mean for us? We're going to look at three different things. The first is prayer. And this is really what got me thinking about this whole topic to begin with. Knowing that God knows all things perfectly in all of their complexity should change the way we pray. It should change our posture when we come before God. You know, we all come before different people with different postures. And knowing that God knows all things, that should affect the posture we approach God with. That should affect some of the things we probably say to him in prayer, uh, knowing that he knows all things. In fact, Jesus said uh, in uh, Matthew 6, And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Pagans are just folks that don't know Christ in this context. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Omniscient, all-knowing. What Jesus is saying here, the most important thing is not saying the right words or using the right formula, though, you know, formulas for prayer can be very helpful to us in different times in our lives, and they, they can help us in our spiritual life. But what he's saying is, you are not going to unlock God's work in your life by saying specific words and babbling on and on. Just because you say, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, forgive me, Jesus, in Jesus' name, forgive me, amen, forgive me. He hears you, and he knows your need. Um, he does not need us to keep going on and on, but we can be confident that God knows all things, and that God is listening, and that God cares. We can't strong-arm God with the right words. God knows all things already. That's what God's uh, omnipresence and omniscience means for our prayers. He knows what we need. It's been one of those things that's been a growth point for me and a discipline for me in my prayers. I think to myself before I pray, God knows what I need before I ask him. And it gives me just that, just that thought and, and, the, and, the, and the knowledge that God rewards those who earnestly seek him from Hebrews 11. Just that thought. You think to yourself, man, you can almost sit in God's presence and just think, I trust you. Be still and know that I am God. That's something that we don't do much in this culture. We're not really still very often. We don't get alone with God very often. I found it much easier when I was a teenager, when I first came to Christ, my late teens. And I found it so easy to just sit in God's presence, you know. No wife, no kids, no friends, no responsibility. Um, you know, 12 hours of sleep per night, you know, whatever it is. Um, I found it so easy during that time. But the call is to be still and know that he is God. Know that he is kind, that he's loving, that he's bent towards compassion and mercy. And know that he knows what you need before you ask him. And the truth is, because God knows everything, he knows what we need when we're asking him for the wrong thing also. So sometimes we ask God for something, and he knows that would not be a good thing, but something else would be. Um, he is good, he is kind, he's in, inclined uh, to hear our prayers. So that's how knowing that God is omniscient and omnipresent affects our prayers. I want to talk about uh, what it means for our past. And I touched on this just a little bit already. I just want to really pound this home to you. God is uniquely able to redeem any life because God has seen everything you've gone through. And he knows you 
through and through. So when someone comes to God wholeheartedly and offers themselves to God and says, God, I need you to redeem my life, he will do it. It's his nature. It's what he will do to the person who's earnestly seeking after him. God knows. God has a, a goal for each person that he's created, a unique goal. The Bible, the Bible talks about this idea of us growing towards this end that God has for his children. But we get so sidetracked from, from that. And we don't come into the fullness of all that we are and all that we could be. But God's desire is that we would live life and life abundantly, not exist on spiritual life support. Um, walking in sin, walking in darkness, being hurting ourselves over and over again, damaging the hardware, damaging the software. But we do. We walk in sin. We walk in darkness. Think, sometimes we sin, we sin, and sometimes people sin against us. Many people are victims of, of someone sinning against them as a young child. Uh, all these different awful experiences, and their, their heart is so hard because they, they, they just have a very difficult time dealing with that. And how could you deal with that, your, your child? But God knows what happened. God understands how it's affected you, and God knows how to redeem that situation. God knows how to take what's happened to you and to redeem your life and to, and to bring you back into this place where you are becoming a person who's living life and life abundantly, life to the full. Um, God knows how to do it. So think about, I was doing it this week, think about you know, the three most destructive experiences that have happened to you as a person. And for many of us, it's many more than that. A death in the family, losing a parent, death of a, of a friend as a child, de- death of a sibling, um, whatever it might be. Think of the three most significant things that have impacted you. Think about how much they've impacted you and, and how you've seen that in your life. And think about the three most terrible decisions you've made in your life and how they've affected you and how they have derailed you and, and even affected you to this day. The truth is God was there. He saw. He understands. And he knows how to redeem you. He knows how to redeem you. He knows how to turn your darkness into light. He knows how to bring healing. He knows. He knows how to bring you into the fullness of who he originally desired you to be. The only way I can say is God, God has a dream for every child. We ha- as a parent, I have a dream for my children. Um, it's, it's more of a general dream than anything. I don't dream that, you know, one, they'll make like massive amounts of money and do some crazy thing. But general dreams of like wanting them to become, if you're a parent, don't you want your kids to become everything they can be? they can possibly become. Don't you want to provide every opportunity for them to flourish and grow into the fullness of what they can be? That's God's heart. And God watches us go through life. God watches us get damaged by sin. Other people sin, our sin. And he sees how it derails us, how it closes us, us up and hardens our hearts, how we can't even sense his presence anymore. And we wonder if he even loves us or if he exists. He sees that all. And he knows how to redeem it. He knows. He knows. He knows everything. He's seen everything. Uh, and God has that desire to bring us into the fullness of who we are in him. That's how it affects our past. Next, we're going to look at this, this idea of how it affects our future. And this is kind of in closing. Uh, God knows and understands the complexities of wh- where society is, just like he does with each of us as individuals. God is aware of every injustice that's ever happened in the world, God is aware of corrupt politicians and, and how they have affected people and hurt people in the world. God is aware of uh, bad police, 
doing bad things and good police having bad things done to them. God is aware of terror attacks. And all of history is groaning, waiting for God to set things right. And God will set things right. History is definitely going somewhere. In this world, we have all these troubles, but Jesus has overcome the world. God is not wondering how he's going to take care of, take care of business. God has a plan. History is going somewhere, and God is going to set everything right in the world. God is going to set everything right. In the Elder Cell group last night, we were reading through, through a book, and the quote from the book was, Heaven will be the answer to all of Earth's problems and the fulfillment of all of God's promises. God is not wringing his hands. God knows how the world has become what it is, and God is going to set everything right. God has caught every tear and every drop of blood. He's kept track of it, and he's going to set everything right. That's our blessed hope as Christians, that God has, is everywhere and God knows everything. And secondly, just this idea that God can redeem anyone from anything they've been through if they will just come to him. It says in the Bible that uh, a broken heart and a contrite spirit, God will not turn away. How we come before the, the all-knowing, the all ever-present, all-powerful God, our posture when we come to him and our attitude towards him determines our reception by him. To those of us who are very self-sufficient and we think that we have everything figured out and we're just going to be fine the way we are, we don't need God. They're going to find the Holy Spirit and God and Jesus aloof. But to the person who sincerely comes to Jesus Christ and offers themselves to God, hurts, pain, suffering, everything that they've been through, all of them, the God who knows everything and the God who has seen everything is able to redeem that person. He most certainly will. He most certainly will. That's God's heart towards his children. It's because he's kind. It's because he's good. I'm going to invite Corey and the team to come up, and they're going to lead us in a, uh, a closing song. But I just want to leave you with this thought. God knit you together in your mother's womb, but he didn't stop there. He's seen everything. He knows everything. This is great news for some of us who feel like we're hopeless. The news is that God can redeem anything. But for those of us who are living in the darkness, kind of walking around in the shadows, for those of us who kind of have something to hide and we're holding back from God, you know, the fact that God knows everything is kind of a scary thought. I would encourage you this morning, uh, come to God. When you come to God and when he redeems your life, when you turn it all over to him, you do not have to worry in the future about a skeleton falling out of your closet and, uh, you know, disqualifying you somehow or something coming back to haunt you or bite you in the butt. It's not going to happen because God is going to take all of that stuff you give to him and he's going to redeem it and use it for your good because God works everything out for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purposes.